Chag Sameach, everybody. Coming to you from my sukkah, where my daughter is looking at me like I'm a crazy person, which I am. I am. Um, and I wanted to share with you one message in honor of this magnificent holiday, something that I spoke about in the synagogue, actually, yesterday. It's an idea that I think is so beautiful and so precious, but often kind of misunderstood. So let's take a look. The Torah says that when Yaakov arrived at a certain place, and he built for his house, for his children, bait, a house, he built for his family a house, and he made for his animal, miknehu asa sukot, and for his cattle he made sukot. And uh, therefore he called the name of the place sukot. So that sounds like a quite an underwhelming thing, like, you know, he, he named the place after the booths that he built for his, for his cattle, like, why is that the name of the place? And the idea is that when Yaakov was naming the place Sukkot, you know what you know what we're trying to communicate? The Torah says that he was someone who actually got it right. He figured out how to prioritize his family above uh, his possessions. He figured out how to make a house for his family and booths, something temporary for his objects, for his things. You know, most people in this world, they think that the question is how to say yes to being more adventurous, to being more bold, to being more loving, to being more forgiving. And they, they're trying to figure out how to say yes to things, to new things. But actually, what they really need to do is to learn how to say no. Not to those things, but to other things. Uh, Rabbi Daniel Rowe used to say all the time, when we would try and ask to put more things in the calendar, he would say, okay, so what are you saying no to? What are you taking out of your calendar in order that there's room in your calendar for this? You know, we all have time on our hands. It's a question about what we choose to use it for. We have resources at our disposal. The question is what we use them for. So when we uh, find that Yaakov Avinu, um, he's someone who struggled for a long time to be able to build up his wealth. He works for his father-in-law. He's being cheated nonstop. And you find that a guy like that is able to prioritize. The house, the permanence is for the family. And the temporary, the transient, that's... That's the things in my life, the stuff in my life. What a beautiful concept. So when we go into the sukkah um, and we recognize that not just the place that Yaakov was in, we call it sukkot, but he called la makomahu, all the things that surround us in this world are sukkot, they're temporary, they're transient. One of my favorite stories is a man who goes to the Chafetz Chaim. He's a wealthy man. He travels very far to come visit him. And he gets to his house and he looks around and he turns his nose up. He's like, where's the... He's thinking, where's the guy's sofa? Where's his beautiful marble kitchen? So he says to the rabbi, he goes, Rabbi, I don't understand. I traveled so far. I thought you were an important rabbi. Where's your couches? Where's your dining room table? There's like nothing here. It's a hut. You're living like like an animal. The Chafetz Chaim says to him, you're asking me where my furniture is. Where's your furniture? He says, Rabbi... I traveled here. I'm only traveling. My stuff is not here. The Chafetz Chaim looks at him and he says, I'm also traveling. And my stuff is also somewhere else. It's not here. It's, it's, it's up there. In Olam Haimet, in the world to come, our future, our soul world, if you will, is furnished with all the things that we put aside while we're here for that experience. And that gift, the investment that we make in our uh, our family and in our lot and in our deeper selves, that's that's kind of... So if you ask me, as an example, where's my Lalique crystal table? You know what my answer is? My answer is that table, it's in my children. It's in the education that I paid for for them. 
You want to know where my fancy schmancy vacation is? My fancy schmancy vacation was saved so that I could pay for a wedding that I'm trying to have for my children. That's where my vacation is. It's not here. It's somewhere else. It's in my my permanence. What will exist far after we're gone? Not the luxuries that we uh, enjoy in this world, but the education and the time and the effort and the resources that we put into our family and into our children and into, into our charity. You know, there's an amazing organization called Bone Olam, and the people who run this organization are, uh, are the Bachners. They were a couple that never had children. And you know, you'd imagine that the couple that's running this are the happily ever after couple that was infertile but then managed to figure out fertility. You'd think that those would be the people who were the face of this. But actually, the people who didn't have any kids were the ones that felt it so strongly. So now there are thousands and thousands and thousands of young kids that are the children of the Bachners because they put in that effort. That's a legacy that that will outlive them, that will outlive their children. You know, thousands and thousands of kids ultimately and their families will be the direct result of this couple saying, we want to make a huge difference in this world. So when Yaakov says, and he called that place Sukkot, that's a concept for all of us to be able to adapt to as well. You know, people are, are freaking out that there's an uptick in coronavirus. And you know what? They should. We should be afraid. We should be cautious. We should be protecting ourselves. We should wear masks. We should social distance. We should do it all. We should do it all. But at the same time, we have to recognize as well, this is something which is temporary. If it's six months, if it's two weeks, if it's six weeks, if it's till after the elections where it's less politicized, so it's still there, but it's not as as uh, uh, dangerous as people are making it. All the various theories, I don't even know. Who knows? But the point is, however long it's for, there's a time when it will be over. And, and at that time, we can focus on the permanence of our lives. And I think that's a beautiful way of looking at the decisions that we have to make in our lives. Is this actually going to make any difference whatsoever in, uh, in not just a few months, but in a few years, in a few decades? What a beautiful message that that's what the holiday of Sukkot represents. Rav Baruch Rosenblum adds a magnificent idea. He says, if you look, there's only one mitzvah in the Torah that we say, like, if you're uncomfortable, like, don't do it. Like, doesn't say that about any other mitzvah like if you don't like the tefillin straps no you know you don't you know that's not how it works you know it's not it's just not so comfortable on my arm uh, don't wear them you know you don't like a certain something you know don't wear them doesn't exist only when it comes to sukkah do we say if you're if there's an element of discomfort patur min hasukkah you're absolved from the sukkah so rav baruch rosenblum explains it in the most beautiful way and he says it like this he says if the whole of the mitzvah of Sukkot is for you to understand that this world is transient and you know what, that there are important things that you could focus on, you don't need a fancy house, you don't need brick walls, you just need a little bit of safety and security, you need your family, you need some fruit and drink, that's all you need. If that's what the sukkah is meant to communicate to us, if you're out there and something is bothering you, you're letting that discomfort uh, get you to such a place where you can't sit in the sukkah anymore, patum and asukkah, you have, you're not connected to the sukkah at all, like you're not understanding this message, you're someone who's still in the mindset that Sukkot is all about uprooting. Now that's how he said it. But I think maybe I could say it in a gentler and a little bit of a kinder way. 
the idea of mitzta'er patur menasuka is if you're someone who's experiencing discomfort in this world, if you're someone who's freezing cold, the idea of leaving the comfort and the warmth of your home and the comfort of your couch and sitting in the sukkah, if you're cold, you already get the concept of transience, of impermanence. You realize that you're not bulletproof. You realize that you're someone who can be derailed by something really, really small. So in a certain way, if you're mitzta'er, you already got the point of the sukkah. There's a magnificent piece where there's a man who comes to um, to the house of Rav Chaim Ozer, a rabbi. And the rabbi says to his wife, you put out some food for the rabbi to eat in the sukkah. And then he says to him, I'm really sorry, you know, I'm not feeling so great, so I'm not going to come out to the sukkah to join you. So the rabbi says, um, sure, of course, thank you. Thank you so much for the hospitality. He goes outside, he starts eating the food. Two minutes later, the same rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Ozer, comes out with a coat and a hat and a scarf and a this. And he sits down, he's eating with him at the table. He says, Rabbi, you said you weren't feeling well. You don't have to sit in the sukkah. Why did you come out? Why did you join me? And the rabbi said, it's true that I'm not feeling so great and I'm uncomfortable. And that means that I'm patur from a sukkah. But it does not, it says mitzta'er patur min sukkah. Mitzta'er, someone who's uncomfortable, patur is absolved from sukkah. It doesn't say mitzta'er, someone who's uncomfortable, patur mihachnasat orchim, is patur is absolved from welcoming in guests. I have to come, you're eating out here, I want to keep you company. Isn't that beautiful? What a beautiful uh, mindset, a way of looking, uh, not just at Sukkot, but, but, but at life. And I think that that's part of the job of each and every one of us during this Sukkot, is to try and recognize how the things that aren't going to last forever, just like relax. They'll be over soon. Take a deep breath. Be calm. And, and we'll, we'll get through it. I think that's the joy of, of, of Sukkot. That's what it means when it says Hayita Ach Sameach. Just be just happy, not Vehayita Sameach, and you should be happy, but you should be just happy. Don't be happy with a little bit of annoyed at this and annoyed at that, and because you know what, little things that annoy you can ruin an entire experience. I remember once we went away to this magnificent hotel for a Pesach program. And this guy, even though there was meals nonstop and the place was beautiful and the view was like hand-painted by God over the waters, the guy would come and tell me, Rabbi, you don't understand. I saw the wall is dirty over here in the hallway. I was like, are you sleeping in the flipping hallway? Why are you taking pictures and showing me the dirt that you found in the corner of a hallway somewhere? It's not even the wing of the hotel that you were sleeping in. There's some people that allow really small things to sabotage all of their happiness. Says the Pasuk, You should be only happy. It's my blessing as well to each and every one of us that we can experience an experience of of just joy. And through that process, the experience of just joy um, will cement some really important things in our world and it will make sure that we don't actually uh, lose sight of the really, really important things. Hazaku Baruch. Thank you so much for listening. Chag Sameach.